You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler. Episode 190. Companies that utilize the seven attributes framework, right, mm-hmm. for making their decisions, they tend to double their cash flow, for example. They tend to increase the valuation of their business within their respective industry, mm-hmm. right? So their company is worth more, whether they're going to exit or whether they just want to keep building, right? But it's worth more if they use the seven attributes framework. And, and one of my favorite things is business owners have more time for doing the right things and they enjoy the climb to success. And I think that is so important for our small business owners and listeners is, is that if your business is not what you thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. and you're not having fun like you thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. right? Then get a coach. Get a coach, somebody to walk alongside of you. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, thanks for being here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And I absolutely believe in the power of coaching and what coaching can do to transform our world, to help each of us be more respectful of one another, to be more curious about others' experiences, to own responsibility and Create a more prosperous, more loving, more connected world. And truthfully, in order to do that, there's different things that we as coaches might need to own responsibility in. What are we doing to build our skills so that we feel more competent and confident in the coaching partnership? What do we need to do to build the foundation of a business if we're small business owners so that we can continue to thrive in our own businesses so that we can bring our coaching forward? Because if we can't support ourselves through our coaching, we might very well have to do something else to put food on the table or to pay our mortgage. And therefore, the world won't be getting our coaching and what our coaching services offer. And then all of you who know me well know that I am absolutely committed to helping organizations be healthier places. So many of our world's people are working in organizations. How are those organizations supporting their employees and supporting their growth and and their ability to be healthy so that we can make the world a healthier place? So each of those aspects are dealt with here on the Star Coach Show. And the slice of that that we're going to look at today is all around small businesses, small to medium businesses. Now, you can look at today's interview sort of in two pieces, the lens of I'm a small business owner for those of you who are, and how can I grow my business? What do I need to pay attention to so that my business continues to grow and thrive so that I can continue to bring my coaching forward. And then many of you may be working with small to medium business owners or within 
those business settings to help them be stronger so that they can support their workers so that they can bring whatever it is that they do into the world. So our interview today is also going to look at what do we need to be aware of so that we can help small businesses continue to grow and thrive. My guest today is executive coach Patrick Frazier. Pat brings his clients more than 35 years of experience in the trenches of being in, you know, the operational part of business to be able to help them focus on their growth strategies and how he works in leadership teams to help them think about what are those elements that we need to look at to continue to create successful outcomes in business. Pat's business is the Coaching Authority and his website, coachingauthority.net, is full of information for us. And he's actually going to be talking to us about some resources that are available. If this is an area that really captures your interest, captures your focus. Pat gives us a wealth of information in his interview today. So I encourage you to grab paper and pencil. This is definitely one of those interviews that just keeps giving information throughout. So I'm super excited to introduce you to executive coach Patrick Frazier as we explore the seven attributes of agile growth. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm so pleased to spend time with you today. Well, thank you, Meg, for having me. I'm excited to be a guest this afternoon. Well, you're going to bring some really rich information for us to think about, particularly those who are listening who are small business owners, which I think is a large portion of my audience, as well as those of you who work with small business owners or if you work, work with within organizations at all. We've got some key information to share with you today. And Patrick, you've been working for a decade at least with small to medium-sized businesses. What are some of the observations that you've made in in that process of working with that particular niche? Great question. A great warm-up question. I think in over 14, nearly 15 years of working with small to medium-sized businesses, there's a couple of things that I've observed and colleagues have, have observed as well. But the, the first thing I think that's note and interest to our listeners is about 96% small businesses that start up today fail to scale up. And I've often thought, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. And it, it's a pretty grave statistic. And when I started my business, it was really all about helping small and medium-sized businesses beat the odds, right? What do they Those are do? horrible odds, right? Those yeah. are horrible odds. That's right. And, you know, executive teams, owners, founders, they just really need a roadmap, something to help them plan out where they're going, how they're going to get there. Secondly, I learned there was an article published in the Harvard Business Review some time ago that said, well, why is it that businesses fail? And they found that nearly 80% of the cause of failure was because of poor execution disciplines. And I thought that was really interesting because execution disciplines are simply, what are your priorities? What are your metrics? 
and what are your communication rhythms? So it's really simple. And you think, well, why is it that so many businesses fail? And why is it that it's 80% of the time because of execution discipline? So it's really just mastering those three things. And then a third thing that I think is an important observation, Peter Drucker said at one time that, you know, there's only three things that happen naturally in an organization, and that's friction, it's confusion, and underperformance. And he says, everything else under the sun is leadership. And John Maxwell supports that. He says, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. So my passion is really to help the small businesses, medium-sized businesses beat the odds, right? Help them discover the, the potential in their organization, develop that potential mm-hmm. so that leadership doesn't become that constraint. You see, when leaders have the right tools, things that are simple, practical, easy to use, their odds increase. When they have the right processes, right, the right way to do things that bring about collaboration and leverage the collective intelligence in their organization, they win more often, Mm -hmm. right? And when they assess regularly, where are we at today? How are we doing against our goals? What's the progress? Are we red, yellow, green? When they create a growth roadmap, they begin with the end in mind. You see, their outcomes are more likely to be achieved. I believe that when leaders do the right things at the right time with the right Mm -hmm. tools and the right resources, they get the right results. And they actually enjoy the climb to success. The plight of small business owners today is is somebody that had a great idea Mm -hmm. and they went out and they started their business and they work like crazy because they believe in a dream and a passion for for putting a dent in the planet. Mm Mm-hmm. And then before they realize it, the business grows up around them and it isn't any fun anymore. The business owns them. So can we liberate our businesses? Can we give them tools? Can we give them process? Can we help them assess? Can we hold them accountable? Can we walk alongside them and create this amazing success journey? So that's what we do as coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether we're coaches of profession or whether we're coaches as managers and supervisors within the organizations, we walk alongside people. And just help them see the things that they're not seeing. Tell them the things that maybe they haven't heard so that they can become that great leader and their company can become the company that they set out long ago to become. So today, I really just want to talk about a few ideas, actually seven areas or attributes for agile growth. Right. right? So important. How can can we stack the odds in our favor for small businesses success? To succeed. So those of you who are listening now, you know, you can hear Patrick's enthusiasm and passion about this. And you can listen through different funnels. You can listen through that filter of what can I do as a coach to help the leaders that I work with to be able to have this agile growth. And then what, you know, I encourage you and I challenge you to be thinking about what that we are about to talk about, can I apply to my own business? How agile am I in my own growth? And one of the key things that Patrick and I are going to talk about is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time. There are people who have walked this path before us who have noticed things. And and these seven attributes of agile growth that we're going to talk about come from expert advisors who have walked Mm -hmm. this path before us, who have seen seven key areas that 
need to be paid attention to and that we can help our clients pay attention to, but Patrick's going to help us understand them more. So when we talk about these seven attributes of agile growth that have been proven to help small and medium businesses grow, expand and scale up, all the things that we want to be able to do, we want to start with what attribute, Patrick? Well, I think you have to start with leadership, right? As Maxwell says, right, everything rises and falls with leadership, right? So from an owner's perspective or a founder or an entrepreneur or someone at that senior executive level, we have to start there. And we start there because we want to make sure that our leaders are at top fighting weight, right? So they can be the best version of them, right, when they seek to lead others. So the leader has to make sure they're healthy physically, spiritually, socially, in all areas of their life. They have to be well-balanced, right, have a way of filling back up the tank. They have to be able to sharpen the saw, They have to be resilient. In these times, the world is coming at us hard and fast, Mm -hmm. and it just wears away at our leaders. But our leaders have to be at the top of their game so they can give to others, their employees, their customers, their suppliers and vendors. You know, Kevin Lawrence, one of my friends and author of Your Oxygen Mask First, talks Mm -hmm. about 17 17 different things to kind of check up on, right? Are you dealing with the tough stuff? What are you doing to fill yourself back up? What is it that brings joy? How are you sharpening the saw? But the resilience of our leaders is so important right now. Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni also talks about the ideal team player being humble, hungry, and smart. And that includes our executive team Mm -hmm. or our senior leaders or our managers and supervisors, right? So he also talks about in the five dysfunctions of a team, He talks about the importance of leadership teams having strong trust, right? The foundation of trust that we're going to work together, leveraging the collective intelligence of many bright minds. He talks about conflict and dealing with conflict. See, conflict isn't bad. It's just how we view conflict. Conflict is actually a good thing. It represents that we have a diverse group of people that have different ideas about the problem, diverse ways to solve a problem. And you know, the best teams and the best solutions come from teams that have the most ideas, right? And a leader who can help them leverage those ideas. So we want to be able to bring in that diversity of thought and because, gosh, what richness there, huh? Yes. We have to have a leader who, A, doesn't let the ego get in the way of, you know, that there's lots of good ideas. And then how can we leverage those ideas to really... That is a great point. In fact, Liz Wiseman in her book, Multipliers, talks about the importance of a leader to bring people together and to multiply the intelligence of the group so that everybody brings out their very best ideas. You see, for us to succeed as a team in today's crazy, wild, fast-moving economy, we have to have all brains engaged, right? They would say the winner in this new market space is not the company that has the biggest brain or the smartest person. The company that will win in the future marketplace will be the company that has access to the most brains, right? So good. 
So we have to we have to have leaders that bring people together and encourage people to bring their best so that we can solve the world's most difficult complex problems in ways that we've never seen before. So number 1 is leadership. Probably the most important attribute of the seven. It all rises and falls, falls. on leaders. I'm the leader. And what's interesting is all those elements that you just said lead so well into your second attribute of growth, which is strategy. Because if we have all those different ideas and those kinds of things, how do we strategically apply that? So tell us some of the things we need to think about when it comes to strategy. Yeah, you know, strategy is, you know, when we hear that word, a lot of times, many small business owners just really just don't get it, right? It's like, well, you know, I've got an idea, I've got, I can build a better mousetrap, I can build a better widget, and they really don't think about strategy. And strategy is for some of elite or the, the Harvard or the, the, the Wharton Business School, right? And it's, it seems to be somewhat of an academic term, but really it isn't. Really, strategy is, is, is basically the, what makes you unique and what makes you different, right? And so here's what I tell small and medium-sized businesses is, is that, look, can you tell me your strategy in a simple single sentence? Can you state your strategy simply? simply state your strategy. And and many times they can't. Mm -hmm. So you look at them and you say, well, if you can't tell me what your strategy is simply, then you just simply don't understand it well enough. And those are pretty dicey words sometimes, but it really carries a lot of weight because if you can't state what your strategy is in simple terms, then how can you communicate it to others on your team, much less to the depths of your organization? And if we all don't understand what the strategy is, we're not all on the same page, then how can we expect people to execute that strategy? Absolutely. Probably the most important thing in the area of strategy that we might want to talk about is, is can you state your strategy in a simple sentence? Then you move into what's your core ideology? And that's Jim Collins. We've probably all read Good to Great and some of his great work. He's one Mm -hmm. of our great subject matter experts of our time. Yes. Right. But he makes core ideology simple for all the rest of us mere mortals. He says, you know, it's really about your purpose. It's about your values, right? And about your BHAG, where you want to go, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you exist? What do you stand for your values? And What's, Anybody what, who's what's listening who's like BHAG, why don't you tell us what a BHAG is? Yeah, BHAG is a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? That Absolutely. One, that moonshot, that thing for our company, that place that we want to go. Strategy also involves knowing what you're good at, right? What are the compilation of skills, talents, abilities, and systems that we have that really differentiate us from all the rest of the wannabes on the planet, those core competencies? Strategy is really knowing who's our core customer, right? Mm -hmm. And what are their buying habits and how do they buy from us? And what's the problem that they have to be solved, right? What's their pain point? Absolutely. Exactly. So understanding all of that and then leaning into all of that and saying, well, what's my brand promise? What am I going to promise? If you do business with me, I'll promise or guarantee that this will happen, you know, and I'll stand behind it. My name, my reputation and my resources and everything I'll deliver on that brand promise. So strategy is a lot. Meg, we could probably take a whole episode and just talk about strategy. I bet. But it is so important for small businesses just to get the basics. What is that simple one sentence strategy? Who's my core customer? What am I good at? Right. And what's that problem to be solved? 
I was going to say, I tell people all the time, you know, we want to seek to be unique, not the best, right? We're chasing our tails if we're just trying to be the best of something. But if we can seek to be unique, right, then the world will be a pathway to our doorstep. And that's what I really want for our small businesses is for the world to beat a pathway to our doorstep. Right. Oh, yeah. So as a coach, if you're building your business, if you're building your credibility and your reputation, I often say to the coaches that I work with, what's your differentiator? So that's Mm. exactly what Patrick's saying right now. What makes you unique? What makes you stand out amongst the crowd? And then as a coach working with business owners, all the things that Patrick has been talking about around strategy are things that you can partner with your client to get clarity around. What Mm. makes them unique? What is the simple state? You know, are they simply stating what it is? Because when they are able to communicate that, their customers can better understand what it is that would make them want to work with them or would make them want to buy from them or whatever that is. So all of those things around strategy that Patrick's been talking about are key elements that we as a small business coach can work with our clients around. Such good information, Patrick. Thank you. That is good. Where does strategy lead us? What's the next agile growth attribute? Well, then now we have to talk about customer, right? And, you know, many would say, well, you got to put the customer first, right? And let's really understand the customer. I think it's important for people to look at the leader first, and then we have to talk about our strategy, and then we kind of lean into, okay, what does it mean for our customer? First, we have to say, who is our who? Who's our who? Bob Bloom has another great author of our time, but he's uh, in the inside advantage. He really talks about who's your who, right? And build an avatar around your customer. Who are they? What are the demographics around? What are their buying habits? Where do they live? Where do they shop? How do they get your product? How do they know about you? Really understanding in great, great detail about who's your who, right? Mm-hmm. That is so important. You have to understand that once we know who's their, who's your who. And by the way, many companies nowadays have two core customers. They have a retail mm-hmm. and they have an online customer right? So you really have to kind of differentiate between those two markets. So then you want to talk a little bit about what, what's your brand promise to them, right? And what's, what's the problem that they have to solve, as we mentioned in strategy, but then mm-hmm. what is your promise to them? How are you going to solve the problem that they have to, to be solved, right? And then you, then you have to look at what is the customer's experience. Joey Coleman has some great work out there on the customer experience and that customer journey, the eight different phases that a customer goes from being out in the vast universe to becoming all the journey all the way through your processes until they're a raving fan. They're buying more of your product and services. They're referring you to all of their friends and continuing that cycle. And we talk about the net promoter score. Some of your listeners may have heard of that, the ultimate question, right? And I love that because I'm kind of a numbers guy, but the net promoter score is a great indicator to your future profitability and future sustainability. It's tightly correlated. The strength of your net promoter score is tightly correlated to your future sustainability and profitability. So we have to ask that question regularly mm-hmm. of our customers. On a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to refer my product or service to another, right? Mm-hmm. And we have, we have detractors, right? 
and we have those raving fans, right, uh, on the other side. So, and there's a way to calculate your net promoter score. We won't go into on the on today's episode, but just really understanding and knowing who your customer is and the problem to solve and how you can solve that. And right. being willing to ask for that feedback and understand, right. you know, if I'm at, a, if you're at a five, what could have made it a six or a seven or an eight? Right. You know, what is it that you need and, and how am I meeting my customers' needs? Such good Very information. Good. Good. So that's, so we've gotten leadership strategy, customers, and let's move into what does execution, what's all about execution? Yeah, you know, execution is right here in the center point, right? You know, we're three deep into our seven attributes and and execution is right in the center. And let me tell you why. If you go back to my opening, of the 96% that fail, 80% of the cause of the failure is because of poor execution, right? And it's really, really simple because execution is really just three things. It's what are your priorities? Okay. What are your metrics? How do you measure the things that are important to you? And what are your communication rhythms? And, you know, even if you just say, well, what's the number one of three? A lot of times it's just communication rhythms with the people around us. Because as an owner, things grow up and we need, you know, we've got people, we've got people to do this, we've got people to do that, people are scattered. Just bringing people together in a morning huddle to communicate what's your most important thing that you're working on today. Are you stuck? Does anybody need help? And reviewing some of the common metrics. But even if you communicate and totally blow the priorities and the metrics, right? What we know is is that teams that communicate tend to do better than than teams that don't. So that just makes so much sense. Yeah. But you know what makes so much sense? Meg, but the sad thing is, is we get so busy in small and medium-sized businesses because we're at various stages of growth that we just, we're too busy to have another meeting. Right. And when we have these meetings, we don't have agendas, right? And they're not kept on track. So we need some structure around how to have a proper morning huddle, how to have a weekly problem-solving meeting, how to do your monthly education and, and updates from your management and supervisors within the organization, and have your quarterly strategic thinking execution planning. You see, it's all part of our execution clock, right, and our communication rhythms. And helping people understand effective communication instead of just talking. I mean, yeah. it's, there's, there's ways to do it to maximize it. So good. So good. Constantly. One of the very first things that we work on with, with clients is, well, tell me a little bit about your communication rhythms. Mm-hmm. And you get the deer in the headlights look. Exactly. Right? What does that My mean? My what? <laughs> Was or, I supposed to have those? <laughs> I say, well, how about your huddles? And he goes, yeah, we used to do them. I go, used to. Well, tell me what it was like. Well, we used to do them. And then people quit showing up and they were running long. And, you know, Meg would always show up to the meeting and she would have some political agenda. So we just stopped coming. Right. Right. And I said, oh, okay. So I get it now. So you just stopped doing them. Right. Well, you weren't doing them right. 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 You know, huddles are, you know, five to seven minutes. And we talk about the, you know, what are the metrics? What's your number one priority for today? And is anybody stuck? Boom, boom. Let's go to work. Right. right. So what do we need to be successful today? Off we know, go. If you're taking more than seven to 10 minutes, you're probably doing it wrong. You probably should have somebody come in and audit one and say, have you tried this? Or let's, let's try to trim this up in this way. So that's usually the first thing to go. And then once they get that tamped down, then we say, okay, yeah, we love our huddles, but now they're getting longer. We'll tell me more. Well, usually there's a problem and Pat sees that there's a problem 
And so he's got everybody at his disposal in the morning huddle. So we start solving problems and ends up being 30 minutes. In the meantime, Meg says, well, this problem doesn't affect me. So she's over there on her phone or on her laptop and just a total waste of time. So that Meg is a have- problem child. I think I wouldn't yeah. invite Meg to the meetings anymore. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> so here's the thing is, is that we have to create a communication rhythm that allows for us to solve problems, to pull people together, to leverage the collective intelligence, right? Here's what I know about small businesses. There's some smart people. Mm -hmm. right? And they're wise, they're smart, they've got energy, they've got passion, right? They just haven't been asked the right questions. And they just haven't had the right time and space to decompress long enough to solve the problem. So what if we had a weekly problem solving meeting, right? And one, you know, maybe it's a 30 minute, maybe it's a 90 minute or 60 minute, whatever your culture will allow, but you just really bear down on one issue that's bewitching the company, right? Or and that's so good versus, so I'm hearing you say there that it's, you don't squeeze it into a meeting that has a different agenda. The no. huddle is a completely different meeting. So what you do is make space for the correct meeting so that you can bear down and, and create value there versus trying, you know, like, oh, this is the only time we get together. So we're going to misuse our huddle and then people aren't going to yeah. want to be in the huddle. That's exactly right. You got it. You got it. So if you create this space, it's on your calendar Friday morning as a problem solving. Then as you run into the issues in your huddle, you just write it on the grease board. And, and then at the beginning of Friday's meeting, you got all this thing. Say, what's the biggest, baddest issue on the board? Let's bring it out of the parking lot and let's focus on it. And we're going to focus on this one issue and we're going to take it as far as we can go. We're going to go as deep as we can go until we can't go any farther And then, and only then, will we pick another issue off the board, right? And if we need to have two or three meetings a week just for problems, that's what we're going to do. But we're only going to bring people to the meeting that need to be in the meeting to solve the problem. And then your communication rhythm goes into your, your monthly meetings with your senior leadership team, where you talk about your monthly progress, you talk about maybe your financials, you talk about your, your major rocks, as we would say, how are you doing on, your, on, on the big rocks that are important to the company, maybe a little bit of educational component where they get an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. You see, if you want a 2x the size of your company, mm-hmm. you better be ready to 3x your rate of learning, right? That's and a that, good quote right there, huh? Right. So you've got to have leaders on our team that are committed to learning. That's really the only insurance, if we have any insurance of sustainability and profitability in the future, is a team that's willing to learn. So we, as a senior executive team or an ownership, we need to create the opportunity for people to learn and bring in content. Maybe it's 30 minutes of our meeting. Maybe it's an hour once a month. So our leadership team is learning and getting leaner, meaner, faster, smarter, you know, every month, right? So So if you want to 2X your company, you got a 3X your rate of learning and everybody needs to buy into that. And that shows right there. I mean, it's that all of these attributes intertwine with one another. So even though we're talking about execution, we just touched back on the importance of leadership and leadership's willingness to learn. So none of these are exclusive or grow in silos from one another. They are all interactive with one another, would you say? That's exactly right. And 
you know, we've covered four of them. We've got a couple more that go, but they all work together to help the business owners scale up their company. They're designed specifically. You know, Rockefeller believed back in the early 1900s that any business, any industry, any geography would be successful if they mastered the decisions around cash, people, strategy, and execution. So he actually had four areas. Mm -hmm. So over time, though, a lot has changed, right? This little thing called the internet and governmental (laughs) regulations and demographics of our workforce have changed and technology has changed so much. So that's where we introduced a couple of others like systems, right? Mm -hmm. And leadership, rising and falling on leadership and being customer focused, right? Mm -hmm. But really Rockefeller figured it out a long time ago. He said, basically, you just got to master the decisions in these four areas. And if you do that, you know what? You're not going to be in the 96%. You're going to be in the 4%. He didn't know, understand about the statistics back then, but he was a smart man. Right. He made a lot of money back then. So he had, he had figured it out. So as we kind of leave execution though, we've, you know, the, the thing about priorities and what I've learned with businesses over a hundred different businesses over 14 and a half years is, is they know what their priorities are, but they just haven't slowed down long enough to clarify what those priorities, what they really, really, really want. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've all, we've heard that song. What do you really, really want? Right. What right. do you really Sometimes that's a great question to ask our business owners. What do you really, really want here? Mm-hmm. And what's a priority? And and get them to say, what are your top three? And what's your one of three, right? And then to be able to say, okay, now how do you measure that? Because we all know if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Right. Right. And so, how the heck do you know if you've gotten there? Right. So, yeah. And we need that. The other fun thing is, is that if we can measure it, then we can gamify it. We can create a theme or a game and engage the entire company around hitting that goal. And I like to tell people, all we have to do is focus, align, and execute. Focus, focus align, and execute. Okay. Right. Focus on what's important. Mm-hmm. Align everything that we have to achieving that goal. And then just execute. Just run the plays. So right? good. So Okay, so based upon so our important. time, execution is, I think we could also spend a couple shows on execution. But that was a great overview of execution. And now we need to move into number five, which is cash. Cash. You know, cash for a small business, that's our oxygen, right? Right. And, you know, it's like Monopoly. When you run out of cash, game is over. Right. right? So do we have enough cash to fuel our growth? That's the challenge. That's the dilemma for small, medium-sized businesses. You see, cash comes from our ability to run a profitable business, right? We have mm-hmm. revenues, we have expenses, expense, revenues minus expenses lead us to profit, just a broad algorithm there. But that profitability fuels our liquidity, right? And liquidity right now is so important, Absolutely. Right? We're at the end of March, we're in the middle of the COVID crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to have liquidity right now. And many say when this crisis is over, it's the last man standing. So did you have enough liquidity to sustain the crisis, right? In growth mode, right? Three months ago when everybody in the world was still growing, right? Liquidity was important because it allowed us to reinvest in the business, to expand into new markets, to build new buildings, to buy that machinery, to hire a key employee. So you see profitability fuels liquidity. Liquidity fuels our ability for growth and expansion or sustaining Mm -hmm. a crisis. So we have to get the profitability piece right. So what we like to look at is the seven different levers of cash, 
right? We like to look at your cash flow story. What's your cash flow story look like? From the time you put a dollar into the business, how long does it take to get back out? And how many dollars do you get back, right? See, businesses all, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. We all do four things. We sell people stuff. We buy or build stuff. Mm-hmm. We facilitate or we have operations, right? Mm-hmm. And we collect for the services of right. So we do those four things. But when you stack those four things together, how long does it take us to put a dollar in and get a dollar out? And so what we like to tell businesses, wouldn't it be better if you had more coming in and you held on to it longer? Yeah. Because we know what to do with it, right? Right. Okay. That's certainly a lot more fun to play in that game than some of the games that we play, you know, on the other end. So we look at seven different levers, price and volume and AR and days, you know, AP and inventory turns and and we look at the different levers and we talk about, well, what if you made a small change here, made one here? What would that do to your revenue? What would it do to your EBITDA, right? So what we're trying to do is to create more profit, to go back into liquidity so to fuel your growth plans, just like Monopoly for the small business. When you run out of cash, game's over, right? So we have to watch that. We have to teach businesses how to do that. A lot of times they just don't understand to right. some of the simple things, right? It's by no fault of their own. They just got into the business. It was a great idea. And they realize that they're selling more, but they're not making a profit. So the more they sell, the deeper in debt they go, right? And so just some simple things that we can do to kind of make sure that they're healthy in that particular area of their business. So good. Okay, so we have now covered leadership, strategy, customers, execution, cash, and now we're on to people. What do we need to think about with our people? Oh, people is people are a heartbeat of our business, right? We hear all the time people are our most important asset. We hear that, but I don't know that we always see actions to support that. So here's the thing for the small business owner, medium sized business owner, you absolutely have to get the people stuff right, right? If you've got four or five people in your business or 10 people and you make a bad hire, right? If you've got 10 people, you make a bad hire, you know, 10% of your culture just changed overnight, right? And if you make a bad hire, then you got to deal with letting them go. And then you got to deal with missed opportunity costs because you're understaffed. And then you got all the hiring costs. It can really set you back financially. Mm -hmm. And it can set you back from your competitors. You can lose a step on the front runners, right? It could step you back in morale. I mean, what did that person's impact have on the morale of your company? Yeah. So people is one of my favorite areas, right? And in fact, the first five, six years of, of my career as a coach was totally focused on people and leadership development, helping mm-hmm. emerging leaders develop those skills to execute the strategy because that was the plight of the businesses, right? If you don't get the people stuff right, you're in, in bad, you're in bad shape. So here's what you got to, here's what you got to know. You got to assess your staff regularly, right? In other words, uh, Brad Smart has a book out there called Top Grading and talks about top grading your staff. Looking at your staff, each of your staff on a matrix, right? The vertical axis is core values. Okay. Are they compliant with our core values, right? We got to make sure they're aligned with our core values. And then the horizontal axis is, is, are you productive in your current role, right? Okay. So we have to have a, a talent assessment. We have to have a talent strategy. And then we have to have regular conversations with our employees around their performance. And we have to coach daily. If you're a listener now and you're a manager or supervisor within a core uh, organization, you are a coach and you're coaching your employees to be at peak performance. And that happens on a daily basis. When you see it happen, 
that's when you have the conversation with mm-hmm. them. You know, I saw this and here's what happened. How do you think it went? How do you think it might go better? Right? Because we need everybody in today's crazy, wild economy, right? We need right. all brains in fully engaged, all hands on deck. And the only way we're going to win is, is if we work together. So the people stuff is so, so important. Last thing I would say about that is, is the, you know, we have to have a process for attracting, retaining, and developing the very best, right? Let me say, we have to attract the best team players to come right. work with us, mm-hmm. right? We have to retain the best ones because, you know, our competitors want to have Meg. She's an A player, right? right. So they're trying, to, they're trying to poach her and get her to come over, right? Meg loves it, but we hate it about our competitor, right? So we have to attract, retain, and then we have to develop. We have to develop those within our organizations and not only be the A player today, but the A player that we're going to need in tomorrow's economy. So attract, retain, attract the best, retain the best, develop the best, and then let go of all the rest, right? Which, yeah. Because they be, become drag on the system, right? They just hold us back. And I think, once again, each one of these attributes, we could probably do a whole show just around that attribute. But we committed to seven attributes for agile growth. Patrick beautifully has covered leadership, strategy, customers, execution, cash, people, and our final attribute that we want to dive into now is systems. What do we need to know about systems, Patrick? Yeah, well, I'll be short on systems because I know our time is drawing short here. But systems are the processes that you have in place that are repeatable and scalable, right? We have to have systems for technology. We have to have systems for people, you know, onboarding and training. We have to have systems for HR, systems for products and services. By the way, system I learned a long time ago is just an acronym that helps, just helps me understand what we're talking about here. But it's an acronym for a system saves you stress, time, and money. Oh, that's awesome. Right. So the key here is we have to have systems and processes that accelerate our vision, right? We have to have systems and processes that enable our people to carry out our strategy, not disable red tape. We have to have systems that are lean and efficient that drive us to the desired outcome, right? And we can talk a lot more about that. But the thing I will say about this is is that systems and processes define what they are. And if they don't exist, we need to create them so that we can scale and grow, right? But every process ought to have an owner, somebody that's accountable Mm -hmm. for that piece in the puzzle, right? Right. So document your systems and make sure each process has an owner. And then we'll talk. We can talk a lot longer about systems, but that's the seven component. So good. So Patrick, when companies have these seven agile components in place for their growth so that they can be part of the 4% and heavens to Betsy, maybe the 4% can grow to be bigger than 4%. Yeah. What are some of the benefits of of paying attention to all the things that I mean you've built you definitely talked about the benefits during your your exploration of each of those but what else what do we need to kind of keep in mind as we as we close out our time together today? That's good. You know, as a coach, right? And many of our listeners are coaches as well and and managers and supervisors that that we coach to. You know, we can't promise things like fresher breath, whiter teeth, 
or world peace, right? I mean, all the things we all want. But, you know, we can say with confidence, much like what Rockefeller said about the four decisions, right? We can say with great confidence that companies that that utilize the seven attributes framework, right, Mm -hmm. for making their decisions, right? They tend to double their cash flow, for example. They tend to increase the valuation of their business within their respective industry, mm-hmm. right? So their company is worth more, whether they're going to exit or whether they just want to keep building, right? But it's worth more if, if they use the seven attributes framework. And, and one of my favorite things is business owners have more time for doing the right things and they enjoy the climb to success. And I think that is so important for our small business owners and listeners is, is that if your business is not what you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And you're not having fun like you thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. right? Then get a coach, right? Get a coach, somebody to walk alongside of you because especially times now that we're going through right now, it is not a time to try to do it alone, right? Right. Have a coach, have a mentor, have an advisor, have all three, <laughs> have many advisors, right? Mm-hmm. Because once again, the companies that will win will be the ones that adapt quickly and do quickly the right things, the right resources, the right tools to get the right results, right? Those are the ones that are going to win. And to do that, the best ideas come from the team that has the most ideas that come from the people that best understand the problem. That comes by having a field of experts surrounding you and helping you along your success journey. Excellent. Now you have a resource that you are offering to the audience. If they wanted to be able to learn more, what are you recommending that they do? You can always go to my website, coachingauthority.net, right? And on my website, you can click a button and get a free assessment, the seven attributes checklist. It only takes about three minutes. Meg, I think you actually took it before the episode today. So it's really pretty quick and painless, but it it walks through the seven areas that we talked about today and asks four or five questions, simple questions. And then from that, you'll get a report and kind of an assessment of where you're at on the seven attributes. That's one way. Mm-hmm. I found that people don't always listen or remember the website or can't find it. So a simple way is just to text, get a coach, all one word, G-E-T-A coach to 31996. And when you do that, I'll send you a link. You click on the link from your phone or your laptop or your iPad or wherever, and you can take the assessment in about three minutes. So that's probably the easiest way. Uh, third way is you can email me at patrick.s.frazier at comcast.net. So three real okay. easy ways for our listeners to reach out to me, take the assessment or set up a 15 to 30 minute introductory meeting. Absolutely. And as always, I will have Patrick's contact information and those resources that he talked about on the show notes for this episode at starcoachshow.com. I also wanted to thank you, Patrick, because throughout the interview, you really laced in some great resources, different books and and thought leaders for people to follow. So that was super helpful. And I want to thank you for, for bringing not only your own expertise forward, but being able to share some of these resources that you have learned from and grown from. So it was such a joy to spend time with you today. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. 
So there you go. I warned you there was a ton of information in that interview. I hope you found it as helpful as I did. If you'd like to follow up with some of those links that Patrick was talking about, they will all be in the show notes at episode 190 at the Star Coach Show. That's starcoachshow.com. Now, I want to be sure that you come back for our show next week. I am super excited to introduce you to Pega Kedkodian next week from PK Coaching. She is going to be talking to us about the seven pillars of radical resilience, which is her signature program. It really speaks to me and I think so important, particularly once again in the face of all that we are looking at in our country and in the world right now. So please come back next week and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Now, you notice that this is episode 190, so we are 10 episodes away from episode 200. And my goal by episode 200 is to have over 100 rates and reviews at Apple Podcasts, because that is how we increase the visibility of the show. So I'm asking if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave both a rate and a review at Apple Podcasts. You can find a link to do that at starcoachshow.com, or you can simply go into Apple Podcasts and look up the Star Coach Show and leave a rate and review. I would be so appreciative. More people will find the show that way. As we close out the show today, I just want to once again say thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your coaching into the world and for impacting the world with your curiosity, with your respect of one another, and with your listening and being willing to ask more questions than being in the know. That, I believe, is how we're going to change the world. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. See you next week.